0: you'd think by now that I would learn how not to tangle up head earphones. Wrap it around your hand. Real simple. I mean, there's some days where you make it too easy for me. No, oh, there's some days where I make it too hard for me. It's Blair and Barker. Wow. Boy. And it will be Blair and Barker as soon as I get my earpiece in. Pieces. It's in. We're all good. We're good to go. Hey, happy uh, happy half halfway mark of the season. Okay. Ross Atkins is going to join us uh, in about half an hour. We'll get to talk about the Jays at the halfway point of the season. Hope he's
1: in a good mood. The Jays are uh, 44 and uh, – uh,
0: 43 and 37. That's not, is 18. that good
1: enough? Uh
0: well, they win tonight. Ones, right if, the if, gate. If, if they win tonight, they're going to have the same record they had last year at this time. Let me ask you this: Did you feel better about where the Jays were last year at this time, or do you feel better? Do you feel better about where they are this year at this time?
1: No, I,
0: you felt better I, I, last I, year.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So, anyhow, we'll talk. Orioles little, are better this year. We'll talk to Russ. <laughs> I
1: don't like that.
0: Orioles and Rays.
1: <laughs> well, the Rays are.
0: Yeah, but the yeah, Rays, the Orioles great. are.
1: And the Yankees don't want to go anywhere. Like they, they don't want to run off and leave. No, <laughs> it almost.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I don't know how to look at this. Really, I mean, if you look at the Jays in June, what are they in June so far? They're fourteen and ten in June, and it doesn't seem like it. It doesn't. 14 and ten's not
1: bad. Well, it's, you know, two also. Their but it pitch, doesn't seem starting like pitching has been really good. Starting pitching has been terrific. Other, other than Bassett occasionally having some hiccups, their their pitching has been really, really good. And for, for them to only be 14-10, and 10, I
0: – Yeah.
1: I mean, the big question you got to ask yourself, and we're going to ask Ross, how, how do you fix the offense? Like, it's almost July 1st now. Like, the the approaches that they're yelling and screaming about, and I know that's what you do when you're struggling and you try and tell them every single day so they don't forget – And they're thinking about it, but maybe that's what they're doing too much of. Too many people's telling that too many different ways.
0: The Jays lineup is out. Uh, No big surprises. Springer leading off. Bichette is hitting second at short. Brandon Belt is in the third hole, the DH spot. Mm -hmm. Vladdy is cleaning up. Chapman's in the fifth spot. Varsho, Merrifield, Jansen, Biggio. Trevor Richards uh, starting tonight in... Now, th- this is interesting. I guess we can call him an opener, but the Jays have kind of stretched him out a bit. Would it surprise you if Trevor Richards is maybe goes three tonight? Fingers four. crossed.
1: I say three. Three. Four you're begging. Four you're four begging. A, four, bagging. Bagging. four you're begging. Me, one. Uh, and um, he gives you three, one run, you're okay with that. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah. And uh the starter for the San Francisco Giants tonight is Logan Webb, who's... Been really good his
1: it. last three starts. He's been, been really good in his last three yeah, starts. That's, that means that's anchor.
0: Uh, uh, former Giants pitcher Jeremy Affeldt's going to join us at six o'clock as well um, to talk about the Giants. He's got. I heard a, uh, I heard an interview he did on, uh, on on a San Francisco station. KNBR. Thank you, Mark. Uh, mm-hmm. That was a couple of days ago, right? <clears throat> a couple of days ago, and yeah, mm-hmm. he was really good. He was. Uh, he was asked about was Gabe. Ca- he, well, he was asked about Gabe Kapler. And basically, said that Gabe Ka- Gabe Kapler is basically he hasn't thrown away his khakis, but he doesn't wear them as often as he used to. No, nope it, it was an interesting comment. Wow. So we'll, we'll talk. He didn't use the word khaki. He didn't. <clears throat> no, but he talked about mm. how uh, Gabe Kapler is is and and maybe this you maybe this is understandable, right? Is once you manage more games, you
1: have faith in who you are. Exactly. Mm. And his yeah. point Let me was. Ask you, you think John Snyder's there yet? I do. I I think John, one thing about John. I,
0: I I'll say this. I mean, I think John has a really good sense of who he is, and is very comfortable with. He who knows he how is. to
1: say no.
0: I bet he's learning. <laughs> but uh, I'll also say this about John. I'm not certain. He has there's a lot of times where he has enough options to say no. Like you got to have options to say no. Somebody says, you go, a solid eh, point. "I don't like that." What's the option? A lot of it is about the lineup too. Uh, we will, uh, as I said, talk to Ross Atkins. Look ahead to tonight's game, second of a three-game series. Want to talk about last night's game? Three nothing. The Do Jays. We have to? Yeah, well, I want because I want to talk about. Want to talk about Kevin Gossman because there's going to be a lot of talk today. I mean, it's almost inherently negative talking about the runners and scoring position. I got to talk about Kevin Gossman after last night's game. Though twelve strikeouts his 1500th career strikeout. Three hits. Uh, first seven strikeouts were in fastballs. He had, what, 11, 12 looking strikes on four seamers, 11 swings and misses on his four seamers. Um, you know, and, and I, I just think you get, sometimes you see a guy pitch and you're going, he's almost too good tonight and it's going to cost him, it's going to cost him an inning I like because he's driving pitch. up. You, 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 you're driving up your pitch count because you're around, you're around the zone all the time. And we yeah. talked about how this team, they make you work. They grind out at bats. They do, but man, he pitched—he pitched so well last.
1: Yeah, when when I first saw Kevin, you know, I was thinking a lot of the times he was a thrower, not a pitcher. You got two pitches that I'm going to stuff you to death. There's no chance you're hitting it. I'm going up with the four-seamable velocity. I'm I'm going to throw that split finger. There's nothing you can do about it. I'm going to eliminate you, and I'm going to go six or seven innings. He's sort of throwing his way through games. Now, all of a sudden, because the league's made an adjustment and knows that they have to do something with the split finger, right? Trying to lay off of it, be aggressive early on the fastball. Whatever it is you're trying to do, he's starting to throw more sliders, right? He'll throw the the fastball down. Do you think that Minnesota game game changed things a bit for him
0: i mean we would have to go and look and do a deeper dive right but you know the game i'm talking about against the minnesota twins where they were all i mean they were all over him
1: taking the ball down Yeah.
0: yeah yeah they were all over him and i'm just wondering okay here we are that was uh what start was that bbb jeffrey what start was that that was may 26th and uh yeah, it was May twenties. No, it wasn't May twenty six. It was another game where they were all over him. The Jays won the May 26th game 8-1. But there's another game this year where I think it was Minnesota was – we talked about if yeah. it's low, let it go. If it's high, let it fly, I, Yeah, I, th- I, think,
1: I think he's a really good pitcher who knows that he's facing really good hitters and really good hitters know how to make adjustments. And when they do, you have to adapt and overcome. And that's exactly what he's doing, right? That's why he's throwing a few more sliders. He throws enough sliders – to make you respect the other pitches, right? If he can throw one or two of those for strikes, he can eliminate you with two strikes, a right-handed hitter with one of those sliders. That makes the split finger and the elevated four-seamer and occasionally the four-seamer down that much better. I just like the way he pitches now. And this is what I said to you last night after the game. This will tell you because of what the numbers you just read off, right? The 34 swings on the fastball, the 11 whiffs on the fastball, 11 called strikes on the fastball. The fastball located with velocity is the best Pitch in baseball. And his
0: Velo last night was on the extra day was ninety five seven was the average. ninety seven seven was the max. Extra that, day.
1: that average is Feeling over frisky. a mile an yeah. hour more than... And I'll show you, too, a little bit of that, right? It's your former team. And sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I know you're a good team, but I, I'm pretty good, too. Yeah. So I think there's a, a combination of a bunch of those things. But, man, he's really good, boy. I... You know, we we give Ross a hard time sometimes, but boy, he had a home run with this one. I mean, signing this dude and and sort of oh, putting him at God. the top of the rotation, and I mean, I had my doubts. You can't say you didn't either. <clears throat> with two pitches in the American yeah. League East, I oh, come on. You like, know, every, no, everybody was I, I'm thinking gonna, that. Hey,
0: I'm I'm going to say this. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. I was less certain about him than I was about Jose Barrios. Okay, I I will admit that. And and you know, I mean, I'm like we'll be, I've I've been all in on Barrios. All along. And, I'm, and, got, and I got obstinate about it. I kept, like, butting my head and saying, I think this guy, I just, I just trust the athlete. I trust the pitcher too much. But, yeah, but Gossman. Yeah, do and it for, me, to- for me, Kevin Gossman's got to be in the all-star game, too. Absolutely. I, it's, no it's, question. It's, it, it's uh, I don't know if he will start. I mean, you know, we'll see what Shane McCle- whether or not Shane McClanahan's healthy. It's interesting. I didn't realize this, but Garrett Cole, who a lot of people think is going to start. Garrett Cole in the past has said, eh, I don't want part of the all-star game. He'd rather have the time off. So I don't know if there's a scenario where Kevin Gossman ends up starting the All Star game. I kind of think I I I don't know if he would be the if, if he would be the guy, but he's certainly he's certainly gotta be.
1: Well it depends on how he lines up too certainly when he pitches last right and before 130, the all star game. Hundred
0: and thirty nine strikeouts halfway through the year. Yeah, I'm just
1: doing it with two pitches. With right? two pitches. Yeah, it is. And that just that fastball down and that slider occasionally. Makes everything else that much better. And then the attitude of the mound. You can tell he's got a little attitude. And that's, and that dumb balk call, which, what is that dude's name? I had to write it down. John Tup- I ah, Come on, dude. Like, do you know what's funny about that? Is you could lay them on top of each other. The one that he called a balk, and then the next 30 after that looked exactly the same. It's almost like certain umpires come in here knowing he's the poster child of the balk and why they made that rule and to clean that up and they're coming in here looking for it and looking for a reason to call a balk on him that's a joke like i'm sorry like it it's identical you didn't think that whenever Uh, you were watching i
0: I didn't see i i I will admit though that i when it comes to judging box i'm horrible i mean i i just tend to i i tend to think it's it's very much an individual thing with an umpire. I didn't see anything that, Is that noticeable. That the first ball
1: call he's had all year?
0: Uh, maybe, maybe. But seventeen
1: it, starts in, and all of a sudden.
0: But that's what happened last year. I, I don't. I didn't like it last year. No, but I, I, that—that's my point, though. I—I—I um, I, I would imagine that he did the same thing he's done all the time. They—they they, they replayed it on TV. The only thing. And you, you could tell. I, the only thing I thought was I, th- I didn't think he held his last toe tap as long as he usually does. Boy. But that in and of itself is not necessarily a. Bop. It's
1: almost like they called one on Alex Wood and they had to call one on Kevin Gosman. That's almost like what it was.
0: Um, I want to talk about because we're we're probably going to see, uh, we're probably going to see two of those arms at least. Uh, at some point in the rest of the series. I want to talk about something John Schneider said yesterday about that, the, the looks the Jays got from the closer, Ryan Walker. Then in comes Alec Cobb. Then in comes Trevor Rogers, I mean, or, Tyler Rogers, the opener. And then in comes Tyler Rogers, And then here comes Doval with, like, 99 and, you know, throwing 97-mile-an-hour cutters or whatever, whatever the hell it is he's throwing. Yeah. How hard is that for hitters to really see hard. those unique looks? It's
1: really hard. It's it's really hard too, and it's really Look, I hard felt for bad. all I felt, of those. I felt bad for I swear to God, I felt bad
0: for Danny Jansen when he came up and there's a man on third. Merrifield's moved yeah, guy over the
1: submarine guy, and
0: run. I know all you got to do is hit the ball in the air at that point. I mean, poor Danny's down on one knee taking his swings at, at 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 one of those pitches. That
1: is hard for a hitter, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I think it is. But when you're talking about a team that that has Aspirations have gone as far as the Blue Jays go, and consistently, you see. Now, nah, I want to give credit to where credits due. The Giants got a real good team. They got a really good pitching staff. They're running out some different angles, and they threw to a bunch of hitters' weaknesses. Right? If you don't like the ball up? Gonna throw it up. If you don't like the breaking ball? Throw that to you. If you if you don't like the ball in, we'll throw that to you. Like they threw it where the Jays didn't like it a lot of the times, and they did it with crossfire. They did it with a funky deception, that sort of rubber band look, yeah. right, with Alex Wood where the glove was going one way and the hand was way back here, and then he had that little snap at the end with the little quick leg kick. Like, were you looking, right? It's almost like you need to use the Beau Bichette two-strike approach facing a dude like that. You're not trying to do too much. You're just trying to catch it out front, right? And then they faced the submarine guy, which I've always been taught you got to see that down. Explain you that. You mentioned that last it's night. He's got rise you, to it. Okay, Think well, about it. Where he releases the ball, the ball's going to go up. So to see you see it if down. If you go up, you can't hit it. So see it down. Absolutely. What do, you mean? What, well, what do you mean? I want it to start below my knees. If it starts below my knees, I got a good chance of hitting that. If it starts above my knees, that's either a ball or I'm going to tip my hat to him because I can't put it in play anyway because of where he's releasing it from. doesn't matter how hard he's throwing it. I mean, it's like 84, 85. He's not throwing it very hard from down there, but he's trying to do it to a bunch of right-handed hitters and have that rise to it to get them to swing under it because, I dare I say, lack of adjustments, right? I mean, you're standing up there on the on-deck circle watching your buddy get the exact same thing. Uh, I mean, again, I know you're hitting at the bottom of the order for a reason, I know your buddy did a really good job of getting a dude to third with less than two outs. Is that the time to go to a knee on a big swing trying to pull the baseball? I, Why? Well, I don't want to be critical because, you know, again, the Giants know what they're doing, and they got a bunch of smart people over there trying to line up everybody to give it, get everybody out. And you mentioned that DeVal guy at the end. That's about as nasty as we've seen all year. Like, you, you think about movement, slider – Like, basically, when he comes in the game, the game's over. Like, I, that's really, it is. Like, it's, he throws so hard, it moves so late, and he has Um, a secondary pitch that he can tunnel off that, and then he can throw a changeup to a lefty. I, you don't hit it. Hopefully, you don't get to him. That's the goal. Uh,
0: A reminder we have Blue Jays tickets we'll give away uh, in the second hour as well. Jeremy Affelt joining us. Um, and Ross Atkins in a few minutes as we get you set for tonight's game, a 7:07 first pitch game, two of a three game series. I'm going to talk about some other good stuff from last night because we're going to have we had a lot of time to to talk about. Runners in scoring position. And I'm saving that because we're going to have Ross Atkins on. Yeah, I don't I know
1: if I can answer the the question about the runners right? in scoring. I don't, I, don't I, I don't know. Well, that's why we'll wait. We'll wait for, we'll, an we'll wait for, for Ross. The Jays were, no,
0: Jays were one for twelve with runners in scoring position last night. Seven of their seventeen strikeouts came with runners in scoring position. But I wanted
1: to talk about two things. One, Nate Pearson. You know what's funny about that comment you made about the before we move on. What the seven strikeouts with the one for twelve? Yeah. You know, they have third most strikeouts with runners in scoring position in baseball. Ooh. With 192. They've had 716 at-bats with runners in scoring position. They have the third most strikeouts in Major League Baseball with runners in scoring position. That's 192 times in 716 at-bats. Move on. Uh, I wanted to talk about Nate Pearson's
0: performance last night. Uh, we did see Nate. Uh, th- I thought that at bat with Patrick Bailey, we um, where he where he's, he strikes Bailey out, gets him gets him called on an eighty two mile an hour eighty two mile an hour curve, three pitches of a hundred miles an hour plus uh, from Nate Pearson. I mean, this was you know, this is a chance after that 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 rough outing for Nate Pearson to kind of reestablish himself a bit. Now he needed Eric Swanson came in to get that double play mm-hmm. in the next inning to get him out of there. Do you think that maybe and, and this is something I thought about I wonder if maybe with Nate Pearson right now mm-hmm. the, if you're the Jays you almost need to look at Nate Pearson and say we need to give
1: this guy a couple of days between between maybe. outings maybe he's a reverse splits guy lefty sitting in 171 yeah. coming in last night right he first yeah. he faced two lefties and a righty and that, he, and, and in the fir- in the first inning he came in yeah, uh, yeah that's Bailey's a, good, a switch hitter I think right yes yeah. that's a good question but I, 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 I thought about that. You know, maybe because. His, maybe, 90, his 96 doesn't play, it looks like.
0: No. And maybe he, so. isn't, he isn't the guy that you can use two days in a row. It's looking that way. If you do, you got to be real careful. Yeah. I just, I just thought of that last night watching. And the other thing, I do want to talk about Bo Bichette again. Because, I mean, we just glossed over last night. Three hits. That single, Kevin. I mean, like I, I, I went on. I told you in the uh, Blue Jays talk. I went, on, I went on baseball savant just to make sure that pitch was as far out. As I thought it was. Yep. I, I mean, we run out of superlatives, and I almost... Yeah. Like I said last night I, I felt bad. Three for four with a great piece of hitting on the first I, occasion. It's like we don't even mention it because... Uh,
1: yeah. I, this is what I think. This is just me watching him every single day. I think he's mastered his foundation. Forget I I say this to you all the time. Forget about how they start. Look how they finish. Look how balanced. All the stuff that he does... Before his front foot hits the ground, before he starts his hands to make a positive move towards the baseball, it looks always balanced. No matter who he's facing, face the submarine guy last night. He punched out. Did he look like he's off balance? No, he missed a pitch because he missed a pitch. Like he was just elevated. And he missed one before that, I think, because he, he was ticked. He yeah. should have hit it hard somewhere, yeah. right? Because he's balanced, he's in an athletic position quicker. All that stuff is on time that he does. He's mastered that. And he has that security blanket and that two-strike approach, which is second to none. When's the last time you've seen him swing at a pitch and miss badly? I've seen him do that. Like just – I think sometimes he he guesses. You think think he's an educated guesser. He's feeling frisky. I got a couple hits. I'm going to try and bridge you. I'm going to try and get the head out and hit a homer. I don't see it as
0: often as as I used to see it. That's why
1: sometimes you'll see him early in counts – in his second or third at bat, depending on whether he's gotten a hit or not. That's a positive thing. Whether he's gotten a hit or not, you'll see him pull a ball foul hard. Well, he's guessing. He's looking for something. He wants to get the head out. He has more pull power than he does power, he's like most humans, than he does to right field. Now, he can hit a homer over there if everything's right, and he catches it exactly, you know, with a solid foundation and behind the front leg. He can create enough backspin to hit a homer to right field. But I just think everything he does mentally – with exactly when he takes a bad swing, he knows right away, don't do that again. And that's why you see a really good swing and a great foundation almost every single time now. Now, him getting off to the start, he's gotten off to, has helped this a little bit, right? Because occasionally, I think he did go through two or three games there where he just didn't look like, you know, he was... Yeah, that last
0: last road trip, he he looked... Like he was... Yeah, well,
1: I mean, you go through it, right? You and you know, play you might, every day. And yeah. you, get, you play every day, and you're getting four or five at-bats yeah, every and day. Yeah, and he had a thumb thing, too. Yeah. So that thumb thing might have hurt him, too, also. Yeah, that's for me. Now, it could be numerous things. Obviously, he has tons of talent and, you know, who he's hitting around. And, and occasionally, he'll know what he's trying to get. And I think his dad helps him a lot when it comes to, you know, what you look for in certain counts. What do you look for after you get a hit off of, say, your first at bat? What are you going up your second at bat and look for, right? Is it quadrants? Is it pitch? Is it location? Like, he's refined that and mastered that because, for me, the solid foundation that he has. Like, everything has a purpose, right? When I kick it, my hands, as much as I wrap my barrel, when it hits the ground, the rotation of my hips, like – just do you think that poetry in that,
0: motion. It's and, awesome. And, 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 I'm jealous. Well, it <clears throat> is he, fun to watch. And John Schneider has made the point that one of the things he thought that happened in September last year was we talked about making good decisions and getting oh. in your counts where you can do damage, that he thinks that that was the thing that really clicked in with Bo in September and he's just kept carrying it on. But now you're seeing that in addition to that, he's fine-tuned – or established his his foundation.
1: You, know, you notice how soft his front side is means when his front foot hits the ground when he takes a pitch, he, because everything it's your back side is your anchor, right? It's like whenever you dock and you let that anchor out for that boat, that is your back leg, right? When everything, whatever it is you do to get your little thing going back to start something going forward, that's your anchor, right? You can your your shoulder, your ear, your eyes can't be over the. Your backside, right? And whenever he kicks that leg and that anchor and the way it's, you know, it's basically he gets it from 50-50 to 60-40 back to 50-50, right? The weight, everything that allows him to have the great rotation. And, and you know, just, he's so able to put the barrel to the ball. Yeah. I mean, it is sec- that, it is second to none, really. Like I That first inning last night, man, that just
0: about drove me. That drove me around the bend. I don't think bend.
1: you do get him out. He gets himself out. Springer's when he, when he gets out now. He gets himself out. He's sort of like I'm not saying I'm not comparing him to Barry Bonds, but when Barry Bonds got out when he was so good, it wasn't the pitcher getting him out. Barry got himself
0: out. Well, and, and, and Bo's the other thing, starting to get there, right? And and Barry also Barry was so stubborn that he'd take a walk, whereas I don't think Bo's quite well. He don't like walk. And and that's and I mean I'm not. Whatever you're doing, keep doing it.
1: Yeah, but that yeah. first LA's inning last you can't night, walk
0: your way to the big ground game. rule double by Springer. Bichette singles him over to third. Then strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. I mean that 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 was like that was That's the, the first game. inning. That was the first inning. Oh,
1: I got this. I said, Belt, I, Guerrero, Chapman, strikeout, I read this strikeout, to, strikeout. Yeah, okay, exactly why they put their lineup the way they do. I'll tell you why. Why everybody's yelling and screaming? Why Belt's hitting third? Okay, why why is he doing that? Because he's one of your hotter hitter, hitters, and they want him coming up with traffic. They want to give him a chance to drive in a run. First in, first inning and the third inning, he had a chance to drive in a run with runners in scoring position. Vladdy, first in the eighth inning, had a mm-hmm. chance to drive in a run with runners in scoring position. Matt Chapman, who is atrocious at that, not been real good. I can read numbers off to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what, where I wrote that down somewhere. But first in seventh. Uh, Chapman's seven, hitting 205. He's got 83 at-bats. That's the most on the team. Chapman had the first and the sixth inning. Yeah. That's the point, right, is you're trying to get your better hitters <clears> – <throat> Coming up with traffic, so the lineup worked. Well, the way you writing the names in there, that it is now. It's up to the individual to walk up and have better at bats and get better pitches. And I mean, I like to give the Giants a little bit of credit, but oh, we saw was July first, yeah, and, and and one for twelves with seven
0: punches. I will say this about the Giants, though, boy, they did come as advertised. Like that was everything we heard about the Giants from Sean Estes. We saw that last night.
1: Yeah, you said fun. They're fun to watch. I don't. I, I I don't know if that's fun to watch. Well,
0: I mean, I kind of. Yeah. yeah, fun. They they're fun in in a in a
1: clinical raise way. They outsmart you. Yeah, that which kinda, is that that's fun. Yeah, and I, I
0: I get a kick out of watching the lineup full of guys that you go. Well, I don't know if that guy'd be, make my team. I don't know if that guy'd make my team. I don't know if that guy'd make my team. Oh, they won three nothing.
1: Yeah, the only dude you you didn't want to steal a base when it mattered stole, stole a base when it mattered like. It's just... Ross Atkins is
0: executive vice president and general manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. Ross Atkins joins us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fans, Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. First pitch is at 7.07 tonight. The San Francisco Giants and the Toronto Blue Jays, the second of a three-game series at the Rogers Center. don't know if the roof is going to be open or closed yet. I haven't seen the social media, but I would imagine maybe with the smoke in the air, I don't know if they would uh, they would keep it closed. It looks to me, kind of looks closed, doesn't it, in our monitor here?
1: It does. Uh, it but can you can check by you.
0: Yeah, I can't. That's why I'm a veteran reporter. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: but you can check social media for that. Uh, yep.
1: Yeah. That lies.
0: That was man. I mean, listen. I live in Hamilton, so I'm used to smog. You are right. We call days like today in Hamilton Wednesday. But um, yeah, it was uh, it was something out there. Seven o seven is the first pitch tonight. Second of uh, two games. Logan Webb against Trevor Whoa. Richards for the Blue Jays. Um, Ross Atkins is executive vice president and general manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. And uh, we're very pleased that he's taking time out of his day yep. to talk to us today. Ross, thanks so much for joining Kevin and myself. We, we trust you're doing well. Um, you know, look today tonight is, is the halfway point, I guess the halfway point of the season in, in terms of number of games played anyhow. Um, the team's either going to be 44 and 37 or 43 and 38. And last year, and I have to tell you this, last year you were 44 and 37 after 81 games. Eventually, the manager was changed. The team went on to lose that playoff series to the Mariners. Of course, you know all this. But given the targeted improvements uh, and, and, and the payroll increase this year, has this been, from your point of view, in some ways, a disappointing start?
2: It's good to see you guys on TV. I'm not, you guys are all over my clubhouse, by the way, our clubhouse, oh. by the way. It's, nice. Uh, you guys are looking sharp. Oh, thank uh, you. It's, uh, you know, it's, I got a haircut <laughs> the other
0: day. I appreciate that. Yeah, man, as I always tell people, you can put lipstick
2: in a pig, you know.
0: <laughs> the end of the day, though, it's still a pig, but thanks for that.
2: No, the the, uh, the year, I feel, I, we obviously, as a group, feel very, very confident that there's a lot of good baseball ahead of us. We've played well over the last month. We could play better, but we have uh, been one of the better teams in the American League over the last 30 days, and feel like our best baseball's ahead of us. So, um, you know what we focus on is is how we can get better every day. We're thinking about that constantly. We're thinking about that this off season. We're thinking about it in spring training, and we see opportunities for things to. There's a there's a trend that uh, we are encouraged by with our team, and feel like the expected outcomes are going to start occurring more frequently as we have a lot of guys hitting the ball hard. We have a lot of guys that are having um, some good individual results and a lot of positive trends individually that we feel is going to turn from a team standpoint and start to see um, you know, even better results than we've had over the last couple of weeks, albeit not we, what we set out to do. We would much prefer to be at the top of the division. Um, and, and we're not. So we, at this point we're focused on how we can improve on a daily basis.
0: Um, I think you're seven and 17 in the division. Uh, is it like seven, 17 did I, I say, it? Yeah. is this division tougher than you, it, personally, is this division tougher than you thought it might be?
2: I, I mean, it's such a, you know, I, I think the Orioles have, you know, probably played a little bit better than, or, you know, their results have been better than uh, most people would have projected outside of Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Rays have obviously been on a historic pace. So, you know, it's just, I think it's a better thing to assess at the end of the year uh, than, than right now at this point, but it is, it always is a very strong division. The Yankees are a very good team. The Boston, the Boston Red Sox. I mean, uh, they're. I think they're playing right at 500 with an mm-hmm. incredible offense, and they've had some tough pitching injuries. That you know, they <clears throat> are not a team that people are excited to play. So, and I'd say the same thing about the Toronto Blue Jays. No one's looking forward to playing the mm-hmm. Toronto Blue Jays. It is a very tough lineup that just hasn't hit its stride just yet.
1: Uh, Ross, we had John on obviously once a week, and he talks about approach all the time with the lineup. We hear players. Matt Chapman came out the other day and was talking about, right? You lay off a pitcher's pitch, you get yours down the middle, you can hammer those, you have a better chance. But I wonder why the word approach this late in the season is being used the way it's used. It's just odd, right? The names that are in the lineup for the Blue Jays should have really good approaches all the time, right? For me, anyway, that shouldn't really be the, the big question mark is why the approaches on an everyday basis are not there. Why do you think that is, you think?
2: Oh, well, I don't I don't think it is. I think you know John has the challenge of talking about the game on you know twice a day and every single game, and there's going to be times where some things uh, he sees as an opportunity. So uh, it's not something that we're fixated on it. We're just fixated on how we can help everyone prepare to be at their best each day. Uh, I think understanding that it is a very long season, we have a lot of baseball play to play. Uh, We are in a relatively healthy position as well. So in in terms of just overall physical health, um, you know, feel good about our depth and feel good about this team scoring runs. There's a lot of focus on runners in scoring position. I think we know historically that that will improve. You continue to put yourself in positions with runners on base, they're going to score. How much
0: do you, focus on focus is a bad word but how how much attention do you pay to what you know people will call sequencing when it comes to hits and that you know like you you got to get the the hits at the right time to have maximum damage right and then sequencing part of that is uh, part of that is luck it's got to be kind of frustrating at times doesn't it To, to to watch that and you know like kevin made this point i thought which was a good point about last night you know the lineup is set to get guys who are run producers opportunities to produce runs. Yep. And it worked last night. There yeah. were opportunities. They just didn't come through. How frustrating is that?
2: I felt good about the game the entire night. I really did. I, I mean, obviously, when you know, you much prefer that those individuals get big right. hits, but the entire the entire game I was watching and I felt like we were going to win. I felt good about it bats. I didn't realize by any state of the I didn't even realize that we had punched out the number of times we did because I felt like guys were really battling and putting themselves in great positions. And that's all we can ask for. And there's going to be times that, you know, things just don't go your way. Um, we don't spend a lot of time thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I do feel good about how often we did hit the ball hard when we were putting it in play yesterday. Um, and it's, you know, we're the things that we can control, which are having good at-bats, making good decisions – getting runners on base is happening. And I feel that in time, those hits are going to occur when those runners are in scoring position more often moving forward.
1: Ross, do you see any difference in the way Vladdy's being pitched from say 2021 than this year?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's always evolving for every hitter and we have the, the and I, I think, you know, a lot of it is public information to how, uh, game plans, uh, evolve and change and he's been pitched in and down a ton uh, and sliders away and I think a little bit less in this year than in in years past the the sliders away and pitching down has been a little bit more of a trend and trying to induce contact on the ground Uh, he's hitting the ball at an exceptionally hard rate his strikeouts are strong strong meaning not many of them his walks are in a good position. He's on base. Is solid. The ball's going to start to go over the fence for him. We've already seen that in the last few days. Feel really good about him coming up to the plate every single time. Yeah.
0: I mean, Ross, one guy who started playing well and well started hitting well in September and has just been on a roll is 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 Bo Bichette. Uh, it's almost like September just carried over into spring training and into the regular season. I mean, how much of a, a role do you think? the settled nature of his contract has played in that for Bo and you know I guess the the question the next step in that question would be a- at all at all Ross do you think that the lack of a contract is playing into anything we're seeing with Flatty in terms of uh pressing or anything of that nature
2: So I'll start with Bo and and separate out those two and and answer your question to the best of my ability. So I think first and foremost, Bo and Vladdy, well, here I am putting them together. (laughs) They're arguably two of the best hitters in the game. But, you know, Bo right now uh, is just the ability to make contact against whatever the pitching is, whoever the pitcher is at such an elite rate and have power. You know, he's arguably one of the best hitters in the game, in my opinion. And he's only going to continue to get better. And I do not think that that contract being in place for him is something he's spending any time and energy on whatsoever. And then on Vladdy, is the lack of an extension, you know, through his ARB years impacting him? Not none whatsoever. I have the benefit of having multiple interactions with him about that uh, and about the state of his compensation. And I feel that. He has handled that as well as any human being possibly can. And it's just not something that these guys focus on. They know they're going to be great players for a very, very long time. And they know the game will take care of them. And they know that the Blue Jays want to as well. So they they have a great way about them. They benefit um, in many ways from... Uh, who just who they are as people, but they also benefit from the people that they surround themselves with, and they've you know always made good decisions around how where they focus and uh, focus on what they can control, and they will continue to do that.
0: Of course, much of the focus the past couple of days has been on Alec Manoa because of that start in the Florida Complex League, and Ross, I kind of get I I get the sense I'm almost. People call this a rehab assignment, and I'm almost I, – I don't like calling it a rehab assignment because I, I, I kind of get the sense the checklist is much more advanced than just, you know, the average rehab assignment. And my question would be, um, has what you saw or what your, the organization saw Tuesday, and even in the sim game, I guess, is it – is it a sign that maybe he's farther away than you guys thought? And and I mean I'll ask you this. Did did the organization wait too long to get Alec Manoa down into the into Dunedin and 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 try to get this corrected? And I know that's a horrible hindsight question. I'm gonna apologize for it, but No, no, it's fine. You, you know, no, it, fine, is right? it is
2: what it is. Yeah. So I, I would say so to the first question on when I first saw the line, obviously there is uh, my disappointment is immediately focused on Alec and thinking not at him, but just did we put him in a less than ideal situation? And I hope he's handling that fine. That was my first reaction. And then I saw uh, the details behind the outing. I saw a 71% strikeout strike rate, which is what we have been focused on. I saw an uptick in velo, So he's throwing the ball over. He's throwing the ball harder. He has an uptick in his tempo with his delivery, the delivery goals he's checking every box on. And those are the things that we wanted to see. So the outcomes, you know, we obviously would rather that he had gone six, sure, and done whatever in his line, but he was comfortable with the progress that he made. And then as we were able to go back and see the, the, uh, the, the goal progress within that outing, we were as well. To your second question, I mean, listen, hindsight is a tough thing. Like mm-hmm. I don't know is the answer. I don't, I don't I don't know the answer. we We made the decision with the information that we had at the time to what we feel is best for the organization and the team. And Alec is someone that we believe in. We believe that he potentially could have stayed here and made progress he's making now here in the major leagues, but at the time we felt like that reset would help him. Getting in the lab we have now learned has really helped him. Identify where we can help him be more consistent with that delivery goal, so that resource being there has been a, a benefit, and we'll continue this progression and i'm I am optimistic that the the fans are going to see a positive trend. I'm obviously you know in, intensely biased by my my belief in not only alex's uh, you know resolve but also his talent.
1: Uh, Ross, you as the GM, what would you consistently need to see from Alec before you would think about calling him up again?
2: The the things I mentioned. So it's the strike throwing with his three yeah. three pitches, and we don't need to see an uptick in stuff, but just holding the holding the stuff and the consistency of it over the course of a game, and cl- much closer or or near the pitcher that he was uh, for the bulk of his career and and uh, and last year. So it's not. You know, Kevin, you, you know as, as well as anyone, and, and, and so anyone in and around the game knows it well, that sometimes it can seem really far off. Yeah. And when you start to see some of these positive trends, how quickly it can turn. If we weren't seeing those, then I would have a lot le- larger level of concern.
0: Mm-hmm. So, What is, w- without getting into state secrets here, what is the plan in the immediate and midterm? Uh, to you know, get by, if if Alex has to stay down there until I don't know, you know, after obviously after the All Star break, but if he has to stay down or to get this worked out, um, I know the schedule is kind of favorable right now. I guess a lot will depend on what Trevor Richards does tonight as the opener. But are, are are we at the point, Ross, where as we get closer to the trade deadline, you may have to look at adding another starting arm? Or I know Hyunjin Ryu is 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 coming back. Like, has this changed your plans? I guess is how I would put it. Has what has happened to Alec changed your plans as we get, you know, closer and closer to the trade deadline.
2: Uh, you know, every, I wouldn't say change our plans. We, we're always looking for depth. Always. I think one of the more difficult things to acquire in the game, other than superstar talent, like roll six, roll seven type talent is, uh, you know, depth of that caliber that could be in AAA for you. So uh, someone that could come in and serve as a number three starter for a major league team Mm. on option in AAA, you know, after trying to acquire someone like Vladdy or Bo or Alec Manoa, that is one of the most difficult things to acquire, but we're always in that uh, search and hunt. So uh, before we were, you know, you know, Alec was, Not with our major league team. We were thinking about that. And then with every development or lack thereof, you have to shift your focus on other opportunities that could be more short-term than long-term and making sure that we are doing everything we can to try to win every single game. Um, so all the information matters.
0: One of the things we've seen this year around Major League Baseball is, and, and this just this is anecdotal, but it seems as if a lot of teams are bringing up young guys, young position players, and they're making an impact, uh, whether it's to give the team a lift uh, in the short term, which we thought might have been happening with the Mets at one point, mm. or guys like Led De La Cruz coming up and, and doing something considerably more than that. Do you have anybody in the minor league system right now that you would be comfortable seeing at some point later in this year in the lineup, you know, if, if this, if the the lineup continues to, in terms of things like runners and scoring position and that underperform a bit, um, is, is there anybody you would think of bringing up to, I don't know, give the lineup a quote unquote boost?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, we wouldn't, you know, it's hard to, you know, the, the lineup as it stands right now is not performing to the level uh, that it is capable of, but mm-hmm. there are a lot of indicators that suggest that it is going to and will. So if that is the case, if that trend stays positive, asking a young minor league player to come in and boost it is a difficult thing. Sure. We have some some guys performing well in AAA that we would be comfortable, which is how you say to the question, yes. with them coming in and providing depth. But I think, we feel really good about Santiago Espinal. We feel really good about Calvin Biggio. We feel really good about the players that are here to get those opportunities. We just also really believe in the players that are getting the everyday at-bats mm-hmm. and feel good about our depth options. And we'll, we'll, we'll continue to, uh, obviously, we have to continue to think about the guys that are in the minor leagues as well.
1: Uh speaking of positive, Jose Barrios and you say Kikuchi. I mean I, I I just don't know where you guys would be without those two guys at the back end of your rotation. How proud are you, Ross, to see those two guys with where they were last year, the criticism, you know, the mechanical change that they made in the off season and who they are now. How proud are you to see this from those two guys?
2: Yeah, it's it <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> it is um it really is. Like why you know, we the the first reason that you you have these jobs are the visions of winning championships with people that you care about and and putting in so much time and energy. And I think after that, uh, you know, some of the most fulfilling things that can happen in in the game to me are seeing those types of turnarounds and you know seeing all the work that goes into it and how much they put into their entire offseason, the entire year and seeing the results come for them is so, so gratifying. And I, uh, I just, I could not be more pleased with the, the work that they put in individually, the, the work that the support staff puts in for them. And, you know, to see you say walking off the mound after that last punch out against the Marlins on, I think it was Sunday and days are running together a little bit was, was a good moment for him and for us.
0: Last question. and We'll let you scoot. Uh, do you see any way, Ross, as we get to the trade deadline, that you would be anything other than a buyer? Like you've got, obviously, Matt Chapman's a guy who's eligible for free agency. Is there any way that you could see this team being a a, a bit of a seller as well, understanding that those terms are, uh, you know, I mean, they're,
2: no. they are no, they have different I, I, definitions. But That's an easy no for me. I, I don't see that at all. You but one of our challenges is that, in order for us to make this team better, even if it is, even if it is, um, you know, where, you know, let's, let's just pick a position and say, okay, we want to upgrade at that position. We feel good about all of the options that we have for every position. Mm. So that means an addition would mean subtraction on some level. So, you know, is there a scenario where we're presented something? Someone aggressively comes after a player for us, and it's making our major league team better, uh, you know, or as good and just more dynamic and more more balanced or different, uh, and then, and and we view it to make our organization better. Sure, we have to be open to that, but the short answer is no.
0: Ross, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much, my friend. Be well. We appreciate it. Thank Thank you, sir.
2: Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Have a great evening. Yeah, you too. Take care.
0: It's Ross Atkins, Executive Vice President and General Manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. So they ain't going to be selling, which I I think we... Probably no surprise given the state of the... Given the state of the... uh, The state of... Given the status of the payroll. Yeah. But, uh, well, I mean...
1: They think they're going to get better. Yeah, I guess. It's the, it's the, it's the, I, the it, it is the runners in scoring position thing that, right, you need, you need to have, like, you need, you need to have better approaches. And that's what he was talking about there. And if they have those, they will be better. If they don't, they will be where they're at now, right. which is a little tougher. Uh,
0: time now for Between the Lines brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Mr. Mark Bafo, ladies and gentlemen, mm. producer extraordinaire. He is. Oh, you guys are too kind. But now, uh, don't. Well, now that you mention it, we really are. But okay.
3: Anyway. Well, I was going to say, uh, I was going to say, nice job hitting the under yesterday. But uh, mm. we'll just move on. Uh, Logan Webb, you mentioned it in the opening segment. He's on the mound today for the Giants. Over seventeen and a half or under seventeen and a half total outs is what uh, they have at Bet Rivers today. Will he go over or under that number
0: for
1: against the Jays tonight? Yeah, for me this is an easy over. the The last three starts he he's averaging seven innings. Uh, this is an easy one for me. And you look at the lineup, and you look at how the Blue Jays were pitched by the Giants yesterday, and what Logan has to offer. Sort of for me, this is is you know the pitcher that's on the mound for the Jays better match what Logan's doing. And I think it's, he's going to, you know, go somewhere in that seven inning range. Yeah. Considering that the, the giants
0: used an opener yesterday. Um, and, and considering the fact, frankly, they're about winning series right now. They won the first game. They got a game in their hip pocket here. I'm, I'm with Kevin. I think they let Logan Webb go as long as they possibly can. And quite frankly, based on what we've seen from the Jays lineup, I'd probably do the same thing if I was the San Francisco Giants. That was Between the Lines brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Jeremy Affeld is a former Major League pitcher. He's got a really interesting new podcast. We're going to talk to him about that, and uh, we're going to talk about the Giants as well. He also has some interesting insight in Gabe Kapler, the Giants manager, which uh, I found interesting. So Jeremy Affeld will join us next. we got tickets to give away in the back leg line. Lots to do. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet five ninety, the fans, Sportsnet three sixty, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jazz Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. we're a little more than an hour away from first pitch. The Jays and uh, Giants, second to three games at the Rogers Center. Did you see our guy Bo Naylor yesterday by any chance with the Cleveland Guardians? Did you see that throw to second base?
1: Mm.
0: (laughs) If you get a chance, check it out on, uh, check out the video. He basically, (laughs) he has to jump up, twirl around to catch the ball and fire to second base to get a base runner. Mm. There's a dude on Twitter, I don't know if you know Jerry Weinstein, who's a longtime catching coach with USA Baseball Olympic coach. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he was at one point kind of a go-to guy for a lot of catchers. Yep. He was kind of I would call a catching version almost of what Tom House was like for the for pitchers. Mm-hmm. And is just I follow him on Twitter cuz he's got he's kind of got a nice mix of old school and analytics when it comes to catchers. Yeah. And he was just raving about that he said the athleticism involved in that. He said, if you haven't caught, you have no idea what that's like mm. to basically lose sight of your target and throw it. First of all, not hit your pitcher. Yeah. But you saw that. It's, it's a hell of a play.
1: Yeah. It's
0: a hell of a play. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's a uh, – he's a, he's a, that whole family, man. Miles gets drafted this year. That's going to be cool to see. There's three guys in the Absolutely. majors at the same time. Eventually, no uh, we mentioned the Giants in in town. Second of three games tonight, they beat the Jays three nothing yesterday. They have not lost in the month of June uh, on the road. A they point. are ten and zero. Ten and zero.
1: There you
0: go. Uh, we talked about the Giants yesterday, and 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 just how they're eh, they see a lot of pitches. I mean, they just they they grind you down and to me they 're just the sum of i don 't know how to ever I, I can never remember how to say this, but basically put them all together they 're better than what they should be individually, at least from a distance mm. they 're a, they're a team that looks like they, they, a team that looks like they 'd be a handful to face in the playoffs, to be honest because you can just see them get, being really really frustrating to face. Uh, Jeremy Affeld is a 14-year major league pitcher. He's a three-time World Series champion with the Giants. Wow, that's awesome. Um, he's host of a cool podcast called mm-hmm. Built for the Storm, and I want mm-hmm. to talk to Jeremy about that podcast in particular because it's—I uh, was going to say—it's not your average podcast. And uh, Jeremy, thanks so much for joining uh, for joining Kevin and myself, and and I, I I do want to talk to you about the idea behind the podcast. But I heard an interview you did recently on KNBR. Um and in addition to enjoying the back and forth about the time zones uh in Washington state and Washington DC which I really got a kick out of you made an interesting observation about Gabe Kapler who we've had on the show a couple of times mm-hmm. and you mentioned you you were asked I think and and or you you brought up the fact that yes this is a very analytically inclined organization but you think Gabe Kapler has I'm not going to say he's become an old school manager but you indicated you thought that maybe he's a little more comfortable veering away. I guess is how I'd put it from the hard and fast rules of analytics. Mm. Is is that a correct way of sort of summing up your feeling?
3: Yeah, you know, I think uh, I, I I think that the way he's done some things uh, when he first came up, I think when I first saw him at the um uh, you see him trying kind to of manage and he's pulling guys after two innings and. It was frustrating everybody when he came over the Giants. He kind of did a little bit of that early. And then you saw him kind of change over a little bit when they won 100-plus games. And Last year, obviously, was a a tough deal. Well, they had a lot of injuries. They were dealing with a lot of stuff. They were let down. This year, kind of bouncing back again. But you're starting to see him just to kind of use, not just analytics. He's actually starting to, I think he's starting to use the mix. So when I look at, the Giants in the 10, you know, in that, that era of the World Series, we had veterans, we had mid level guys, you know, guys that were in the big leagues for five to eight years, and then we had some younger guys, some rookies that had some high talent, and they mixed real well. But Bochi managed a lot of the gut, so it wasn't necessarily analytics. It was, for me, it was just like I think Bochy looked up and said, Well, you know, he's not throwing real well right now, why would I put him in? Now, analytics might say that, but the problem with analytics is it'll say, no, he should face him because of this, this, and this. And this mm-hmm. kind of hitter. But what if the guy's not throwing strikes? Or what if he has a bad hamstring? Or what if he knows he's got, you know, he's got some arm fatigue going on? So the computer doesn't know all that. And so the problem with analytics is it doesn't really let you understand the physical and the human side of the player. A computer just understands numbers. And I think Bochy was able to mix and match both. He was analytical but he was also uh very understanding the team side of the player. And so and then there was just a flat out, hey man, I don't care if this is I mean, you saw in Tampa not too long ago they you know, even when in World Series they pulled a the guy early, it probably tossed him. Mm-hmm. And Boach is just kinda guy like, Nah, he's got bigger balls than that guy, I'm gonna leave him out there with a pitch. You know, that's just how he how he looked at it. Where if you get too analytical, you you, you forget how to how to how to run the game, like a baseball game. And I think Kapler kind of has had a real battle of trying to figure that out because I think he does favor analytics a little more than he should, but he is doing better than most, I think, at using the talent and the analytics. Like, okay, analytics, yes. Veterans, yes. How do I mix and match that? I think he's doing a little bit better than most at trying to, to, to mix and match both of those things, and he's, he's doing a really good job right now. I mean, it seems like every move he makes is the right move, and that's, that's definitely true, and there's probably a lot of uh, different scenarios involved in that, but he does he better than most
1: definitely. How does a player, a veteran player, start to trust a manager who is analytically heavy? How, how do you trust him when it comes to those things?
3: Man, I wouldn't, to be honest with no. you. Uh, I wouldn't because it, it would take a lot, I should say, because my my thing is like, I mean, let's just take the 2014. Let's just, I, I don't want to toot my own horn necessarily, but I, but I like to use it because it's it is a really good example. I would probably be willing to guarantee you that no analytics out there, and I could be wrong because I wasn't a very analytical guy, but would not say put Jeremy in the second inning of Game Seven in 2014 and let him roll to the fifth. There's no way. There's no way. I. I threw 60 pitches. I mean, I I haven't thrown 60 pitches, and I can't even remember how long. But Boach is like, yeah, but you're making pitches. You're getting out. You're facing righties. You're facing lefties. You're facing this. You're you're getting big time outs. And so for me, I would have a hard time as a veteran trusting you on the analytics because it comes down to the point that, yeah, but you can say that, but I know this guy is scared if he goes out there right now. I don't care what the computer says. He doesn't have enough under his belt. He doesn't have enough courage. He doesn't have enough confidence. He doesn't have enough experience to be able to take that role or in that situation on. I don't care what the analytics say. And, and so for me, it's really tough as a veteran guy to go in and say, no, nah, let's just see what the computer says. I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't buy it. Is there some truth behind it? Yeah, but there was true people when I played. You can say spin rate all you want. I could just say I didn't finish my fastball. So my spin rate's going to be down, but it's because I didn't finish it. That's why it's belt high and got hit 450 feet. Well, I didn't (laughs) finish my fastball. So, yeah, the spin rate, I guess, would have probably been down, but that's why that ball didn't jump, Or I didn't finish my curveball. So my spin rate and my curveball didn't have as good a snap. Like, that's how we saw it back in the day. We just said it differently. They got the computer, you know, lingo now. To, to to change it up, but I'll guarantee you, there's not enough guys in that game even to understand what war is or how they calculate it, you know? And so it's just there's so many of that stuff going on. So I, as a veteran player, you wouldn't you wouldn't get me to buy into it. You wouldn't. It would be like, I'll, I'm going to go out there because I've got the courage to go out there because I played the same game that started over 100 years ago. And, yes, rules have changed. It's changed since the 1800s. It changed in the mid-1900s. It changed. The rules change now. But the game is still the game. And I'm going to go out there and I'm going to try to throw the ball to areas that I don't think this guy can hit. <laughs> I don't care what the analytics. I'm just going to make and execute a pitch or I'm not. And so that's where I would kind of get on managers that are favoring it because they're saying, well, I don't know, the, the computer said this or the guys from the top said put him in. You're right, you don't know. And neither do any of those pitchers know. And, and so they don't know when they're pitching or not pitching because they're not necessarily paying attention to all that. But, so it's really tough. And so for veterans like me who just wanted to pitch off of gut, who wanted to pitch off of, you know, situation, uh, who wanted to pitch off the fact that I'm in the game because my manager thinks that I can be in this game because he's got confidence enough for me to get this guy out because he believes in me, is a lot different mentality that I'm in this game only because the manager looked up on his computer or his little iPad or he had his, Guy standing to the left of him, who has never played a day of baseball in his life that went to MIT and said, Hey man, this is what it says. Oh, uh, great. I'm not going to trust that because I don't have the history behind it. And that's just how I think about the game, but that's just not how it is now. So it'd be tough for me to, to, to buy into most of it.
0: Yeah. Jeremy, I, I look at the, those giants teams that you play on and I was lucky enough as a writer to cover three, to cover the three teams during, during the world series as a visiting writer, obviously. But, you know, one of the things we've kind of wondered about the Blue Jays, given their uncertain start, has been whether or not this team uh, is able to handle the weight of expectations on them. I look at those Giants teams, and, you know, to win World Series in in 10, 12, and 14— you guys must have had expectations on you almost every year during that run. Certainly after 2010, we've won a World Series. Why can't we do it in 2011? Is there, do you have to learn how to handle those expectations as a player?
3: Yeah, you've got to handle the expectations, but you also got to know how to turn the page, right? Like mm-hmm. you won in 2010, you put the ring on, the ring ceremony, whatever you want to do, but the fact of the matter is now you have a target on your back. Because, like you said, expectations, everybody's upset that you won in 2010. That's how we looked at it. We weren't even supposed to get past, I don't think we're supposed to get the playoffs. No, you won Vegas numbers, right? Right. So, I mean, (laughs) you're sitting there like you're going against all odds the whole entire time. I think there was only one state that even had us picked to beat the Rangers, and that was California because we're the California team that was in the World Series. So it wasn't even like a a situation where we ever favored. And we didn't do good in 2011, right? We didn't. We had some injuries. We had some fatigue. We had some tired guys. But uh, and then we came back and did it in 2012. Where it's like, what is going on? Like, this is crazy. But what it was, in my opinion, was it was the same. We just turned the page. Hey, 2010 was 2010. We had 2011. We tanked it in 2011. We still have the focus that we had every year going in is we're here to win a championship. And we're here to win as many games as possible and see what happens. Once you get to the playoffs, You can kind of call it, but it's kind of a crapshoot. You kind of just be like, hey, man, whoever's hot at the time, whoever's pitching better, executing better, whoever's executing better when they're tired, all that kind of stuff goes on, goes in play there. But I think that for me, it came down to the fact that the veteran guys really played pretty loose. We had a good camaraderie. We had a good chemistry with each other on the field. We believed in each other. We believed in what each guy could do. It didn't really matter what the score was. It was just for us as a pitching staff, we just said, keep it close and give us a chance to win because you never know what can happen. And that was our mentality. That was our mentality in game three going into Cincinnati in 2012, down two games and nothing, and Scott rolling over through the uh, catcher. I think we had one hit that game and we won. You know, like, mm-hmm. you don't know. You just keep it close to be able to do it. And that was how we pitched. That's the, that was how we grinded it out. And that's how a veteran staff does things. We're just like, hey, man, we're going to go out there and give our offense every single chance and ability to win this game um and we knew the expectations on that but it was almost tough i think we had more expectation going into after the 2012 i mean rolling in 2014 going to kansas city i mean that was i mean we I, there's a lot of expectations there of like man two teams that you know wild card teams or whatever you want to call it and go into the world series and you know, mano-a-mano mono there, demand there is. I felt like the most pressure I ever had in the World Series was the 2014. That's the mm-hmm. most I ever felt other uh, than 10 and 12. But I just feel that we had enough salty guys and literally the mentality and a little bit of the craziness, a little bit of the veteran guys, a little confident guys that knew they, what they could do and liked to compete under pressure, that we were able to accomplish that. Again, I don't know if analytics can ever tell you what guy is good under pressure, you know? And so I think that's how we won those World Series. But the expectations were there, but it was more, man, we just like to win and we want to win and we're actually having fun. And we would rather it be 2-1 to than 10-1 to Uh, because when we're back against the wall, we're a fight team, not a flight team. And that's kind of how that team was built.
1: Is it hard to tune out outside noise in, say, 2014 when there are expectations to win a World Series? Is it hard to just – You know, when you're struggling as a pitcher or a hitter, just to lean up in a clubhouse, turn the TV off. Is it harder to do that? Expectations?
3: Yeah, I think that, you know, once the playoffs came in, I think you'll see that a lot. I think when you're in the playoffs, you don't even listen. You don't listen. Because for me, I would get upset. You know, when I hear announcers talking, and they would talk and they'd be definitely favoring the other team. They did it with the National Series, when the Giants were playing the Mm National. I think even the announcers said we a few times when they were talking about the Nationals. And it's the National television, that's not even your team, and you said we, so you're obviously against the Giants, you know? Mm. That would fire me up, but it would almost fire me up in a way that I'd be like, well, man, I hope we make everybody look stupid because we know who we are in this clubhouse, and we got a lot of confidence, and we have a really good manager that thinks three steps ahead of everybody else. So I I can't wait to make these guys look dumb. And it was almost like that situation of, like, I didn't love hearing it, but when I did hear it, we were that fight team. We were not a flight. We did not run from it. We, we played in so many close ball games every year, all year, that close wasn't a big deal for us. High pressure wasn't a big deal for us. What upset me was the fact that everybody, no matter what we did, how we executed, people would never want to pick us. They'd never want to favor us. It was the weirdest thing because, and I can kind of understand it. Our record wasn't, play 12, our record was pretty good, but you know, 2010 definitely wasn't. 2014 was obviously we were wild card. You're just hoping. And and so I can see that, but no one ever took a risk on, like, man, I think the Giants, based on who they got and the, what the experience they have, you better watch out. No one ever wanted to take that risk. And that's what fired us up. But we tried not to read a lot about it either. Didn't turn on the paper. Didn't turn on the MLB Network a whole lot. We just kind of, like, said, man, we're just going to go ahead and go out here every day. And we got nine innings to grind it out, and we got the team to do it, and we got the pitching staff to do it. So let's go to war and see what happens. It worked out for us.
0: Jeremy, you in your career, in those three World Series, you allowed two runs, 26 innings pitched. Um, I, I've often wondered, and, and I heard Derek Jeter talking about this one time, about when you are in a team that's going to the postseason a lot, and you are winning the World Series or going to the World Series. I mean, you're playing a lot of games. It's an extended season. Did you feel at any point that just, man, it just caught up to me? Like, I've had those are so many high pressure innings, so many high pressure games that, uh, I mean, it's just, I'm just, I'm just spent. Do, do you think there's something to that when it comes to putting championship teams together, teams that go on a mm-hmm. long run?
3: Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, obviously. It's really hard to win back-to-back championships. I'll give it to the Dodgers. I mean, you give it to Houston, give it to the Dodgers, give it to your, just to be able to go. I mean, the Dodgers especially. That, Think how many years they went to the NLCS and the World Series. Yeah. I mean, those guys every year. That's incredible uh, because the pitching staff takes the toll, I think, the most. Um, I know position players play every day, and I get that. But the repetitive throwing on the arm and the high pressure you got to do it in, and you have to be ready at any time. It's pretty tough on everybody, but, you know, for me, I felt it not necessarily during the year of 20 the World Series. Once you get to the playoffs, you're kind of almost you're on so much adrenaline and you're on so much, like, just you just just focusing on the prize. You don't feel it. I felt it the next years. I mean, 2013, I tore my groin off my bone. I had a reconstruction groin surgery in 2013, coming off 2012, uh, 20, uh, 2011. Uh, well, 2011 was just my stupidity. So it's not put the knife through my head in September. That was just my that's just my being stupid. But uh, I did have uh, groin and hamstring injuries during that year too. Uh, but in 2015, after when the year I decided to retire, I just couldn't get my arm going. My arm speed was slow. My stuff couldn't finish. My lat was killing me. They couldn't get it to unlock. They put me on the DL. They did everything they could to try to figure out how to. You know, get the arm to bounce back, and it was just too fatigued. But in that year, in 2014, I think I pitched. I like think they said every inning of the playoffs, I pitched innings two through ten. Mm-hmm. I pitched in every single inning except for the first inning, and you put it all on the line because you're like, I don't, I don't, I can't worry. When you're in the playoffs in Major League Baseball, you could think about, oh man, what about next year? I'm more like, and I can see some of the younger guys sometimes thinking that. I, I don't know in the playoffs if anybody ever does. Maybe they do. As a veteran player, I never did. I was like, I have no idea about next year. All I know is this year I'm trying to put a ring on it, uh, on everybody's finger. I'm trying to figure out a way to do my part to help us walk around where we can say we're we're, we're world champs. And I didn't think about anything about the next year, but it did take a toll because we did put so much extra effort into what we were doing. And the adrenaline was so high that you were pushing your body to a lot of limits, uh, that most don't have to do. And and it will affect you for sure.
1: Uh, Jeremy, this year's giants, what do you make of them?
3: <laughs> I'll tell you what, I looking at the beginning of the year, I'm like, uh, oh, here we go. One we're two analytical 2 We're just not ready. Now what I'm seeing is what I saw, what what makes, in in my opinion, not just what I saw when I was there playing, it's actually what you see when championship teams or uh, not necessarily championship teams, but just good contenders do. They get the high-level veterans who have been there a little bit. You've got the mid-level veterans who are basically in their just big part of their prime of their career, and then young guys. And if you get too heavy either way, you're in trouble. If you get too many veterans, they're salty, they're grumpy, they – they kind of treat it as a job, and they don't have a lot of fun, which can affect teams. If you get too young, uh, it's like having a bunch of kids with no boundaries out there, just running loose. You, you, you're trying to, you know, you're, trying to, you're trying to, you're trying to chase chickens everywhere, trying to get them to uh, focus, you know, and understand that it's not just, oh, cool, I'm in the big leagues. No, no, yeah, you're in the big leagues. Congratulations on reaching your dream, but this is a job, and we have a job to do. And it's not about just going to the big leagues; it's about winning at the big league level. If you get too many young guys early on, they, none of them see it. I didn't see it that way. nobody sees it that way. They're just happy to be there, and you don't want to that's not what teams don't win if you're just happy to be there. So I think they have a good mix uh, this year. Uh, Their're they're, 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 they're rookies are coming up making high impact right away, which are some studs have some power, not afraid of, of succeeding in the game. and then you've got some you know veterans that have kind of probably pulling them along a little bit. they look up to. And you've got the you've got some seasoned guys that are not quite at that salty status yet, but they're just right in that middle of that five to eight year period where they're they've got they're they're kinda hungry and they're chasing something that's that, that they're willing to show extra energy for. And so I, I think they have a good of that, that a good rhythm going, which is why you're seeing what they're seeing. They're not quitting, like you guys said earlier, they're just like a gnat. They don't go away, they don't give in, they don't they, you don't ever feel like you've got them. 'em, they're never out of the game. And and they're putting a lot of pressure on people uh, to to be. If you're going to beat them, you got to you got to pitch nine innings. So and and that's what you want to do, and that's what they're doing right
0: now. Jeremy, we just have a minute or so left. I did want to ask you about the podcast. Tell us a little bit about Built for the Storm, and also I know I'm going to give you a plug because I love the name of it, and I'm a big brewery beer dude. Anyhow, to be honest, you're also owner and operator of Free Room Brewing Company in Texas, and I love the name, so I'm going to do that. But tell us about the pod.
3: Yeah, man, it's called Built for the Storm, and uh, it's about, you know, I just, you know, buffalo, I'm a buffalo brewery, so I have a hop head that's made out, that has the shape of a buffalo, and, uh, you know, just buffalo charge storms, that's what they do, Mm -hmm. cows run from them, Uh, Buffaloes turn into them, and they charge them, because they know the storm will pass over them quicker, Where cows, if they run away from them, uh, which they do, they stay in them longer, because the storm chases them, Uh, so hence his life, right, so I kind of look at it that way, like, hey, man, storms come at you. If you run from them, you die. You die emotionally, sometimes physically, mentally. Uh, you get stuck into some some pretty serious stuff. But if you kind of just take it on and say, you know what, the storm hit me, I either brought it on myself or someone brought it on me, Whether whatever it is. But you know what, I'm going to take it on because I'm built for it, and I'm going to charge it, and I'm going to learn from it. They'll pass over you, and you come out on the other side a lot better person. And so when the people on my podcast, that's what we talk about. We they have influential scenarios, they've got influential scenarios in life, they're, they're big leaders or athletes, but I don't talk about your successes, I talk about what are the storms that have happened in your life that either shaped you and helped you become who you are or who what, what have you done in life and how are you successful when storms hit, how do you utilize those things that make you successful in life to get through a storm? And so we get to the human side. Uh, of their lives, and it's been really, really good. And I've had I've had a uh, lot of fun with all my guests, and we've, we've had some great topics, and I've enjoyed the conversation.
0: Jeremy, really good of you to join us today. You've been yeah. really gracious with your time. Really enjoyed the conversation. Absolutely. Thank you, my friend. Be well. Thanks a lot.
3: Yeah, absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me on. Take
0: Thanks. care. It's Jeremy Affelt, uh 14 year MLB pitcher, three time World Series champion with the Giants, and maybe that's why I told you I kind of like watching the Giants because for visiting writer. Parachuting in to cover the Giants in the postseason was yeah. great. Because they had Boach. Absolutely. And they had Timmy Linsica. I mean, they they just endless group of dudes. Marco Scudero, just really, really solid dudes. And you got a real sense that they were a real, like a real unit when you covered those teams. So yeah. that's good stuff from Jeremy felt really... We uh we certainly do appreciate him yeah. appreciate him joining us. I've got Jay's tickets to give away. Mm. We'll do that on the other side. We'll go to the back leg line as well. 416-413-3959. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590. The fans, Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkers podcast.
3: Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: I got some trivia here, which means I got tickets. We've been giving you the chance to win Blue Jays tickets all season long here in Blair and Barker, whether you listen to the radio on our podcast. All you have to do is text the correct answer to our daily baseball trivia question to 59590. 590. Our last trivia question and answer was two Diamondbacks have won the NL Cy Young Award. Randy Johnson and who else? I would have guessed Kurt Schilling it was Brandon Webb. 2006. Hmm. Uh, today's question is when tickets to see the Jays and the Pods <whistles> down at the Rogers Center on July 18th. Jays and Padres? Padres is- have already been in town, haven't they?
1: What's the, what's the day? July 18th. Uh, yes. Tuesday, Ponds. the 18th. The Padres for three games.
0: Okay, Padres legend, uh, Trevor Hoffman, one of your favorites. Absolutely. <sighs> Padres, when Hell's Bells used to play, when he would come out from the bullpen. Ran
1: 10 miles with him before game two.
0: In that stadium, Jack Murphy, went, uh, I love Jack. Anyhow,
1: uh, Padres. thing i ever done. What? Run Show 10 up early miles? and go run with him.
0: Yeah, he's a beast, like as as an athlete. I mean, he's a
1: closer. What else I got to do? That's true. Other than run.
0: Padres legend Trevor Hoffman (laughs) was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2018. Which other three players were also elected by the writers and joined Hoffman and Cooperstown? And yes, I voted for all these guys. I didn't vote for one of the three. So again, Padres legend, I did vote for Hoffman. Padres legend Trevor Hoffman was inducted into the Hall. I didn't vote for this guy. That's What? Come on.
3: Padres legend Trevor Hoffman, shut
0: up. Padres legend Trevor Hoffman was inducted into the Earn Hall of Fame in 2018. In. Which other three players were also elected by the writers um. and joined Hoffman in Cooperstown? Text the answer to 590 590 for your shot to win. See rules at sportsnet.ca/590.
1: Obviously, because I know that person. That name you just showed me, I would have never gotten it. I can't believe you didn't vote for him. I voted for the you're other, crazy. the other two. You are nuts. I'm small ballot guy. I'm a small ballot guy. guy, man. You I'm you not, not to putting a homer. four people in. You ever tried to hit a homer?
2: <laughs>
0: no. Have you ever tried to vote for Hall of Fame? Yeah. Can't be that hard. It's the eye
1: test. It's not hard. Don't ever think it. Sitting or, around in some room with a bunch of people. No don't one sits around in the room with no, a bunch don't, of people. Oh, do you get on Facetime? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Went, no. You get a ballot. You fill it out. It's yeah, not. It, it's, you know. Well, if you didn't vote for that guy, you didn't do a real good job. <laughs> and, and you. He even marked his name out. <laughs> clearly, I did scratch it out. What's wrong with I mean, with clearly, you? clearly, barked, matter with Clearly, you? I wasn't the
0: only guy who didn't do it. Gosh. The other guys were slam dunks. Uh, but anyhow, and I, like I said, I'm, I, I, four is too many to go in a Hall of Fame as far as I'm concerned. You going to vote for Joey? I don't know. I'm honest about it. I don't know. I have to think about it. Huh. Okay. I have to think about it. Yeah, he's getting in. Yeah. I have to think about it. That's all. 416-413-3959 is the back leg line. Your chance to leave comments, questions, jokes, recipes, directions that I'd never use for Kevin Barker. Nice. Oh, a reminder that we'll be doing Blue Jays talk again tonight following the Blue Jays huh? following the Blue Jays five three win at the Rogers Center. <laughs> we'll be doing Blue Jays talk. Uh so you can join us. Uh, I think
1: you said they were going to win last night. No, right? I didn't. I you said did. Bo
0: was going to hit a home run in the third at, third at bat. What did he do? He hit a double, didn't he? Pretty close. Uh, 416, 413, 3959 is a back leg line. Mr. Mark Boffo, tell us who is who has been brave enough, who has been brave enough mm. to call and leave their name and location? Well, you asked for
3: line. people to leave their name or to leave a fake name. And I don't know which one this is, but we've got Pencil Case from Ottawa.
0: It's not real. That's not real. I don't think that's real. I'm pretty certain. <laughs> Unless it's an Italian name, it's Pencil Casse, maybe. Pencil Casse. Why don't we say, that? Why don't we just say this is Let's Mr. Pencil Casse from say Ottawa. Not. Anyhow, go ahead.
2: I just wanted to see what you guys thought about the pitching. And uh, with Ryu coming back and maybe to get something at the trade deadline, them temporarily, like six weeks get them through August and part of September and part of July go into a six man rotation, and if not that, um, maybe limiting guys every certain start, like if there's a big lead or something you know after five innings okay we're going to take them out let the bullpen finish just to just see some pitches in those arms um, so again, uh, let me know what you guys think
1: I'd be a great idea if you had six guys. Like, I mean... He's I, your fifth guy? I mean, yeah, I, you're going out to get another guy.
0: I know one of the things Ross said, Ross did an availability with the writers a little earlier today, Ross Atkins, and one of the things he did say was he was asked about Chad Green and Hyun Jin Ryu, and it's pretty clear that Hyun Jin Ryu is going to be with this team. It's I, I, They don't really want to give a date, but my, my guess is in August. I mean, I wish I could be more accurate... Uh, they've said that they feel they owe it to him to when he is here to have him start. He's not going to be filling a bulk role. He's not going to be a three-inning guy, so they mm-hmm. want and, – and I agree with that. I mean, the guy's he's pitching for a contract next year, mm. and that's fine. I think you – God almighty, spent this much money on him and devoted this much time. Let him let him start. Sure, Chad Green, uh, the reliever, is sounds very much like he could be available in July. Um, and knock on wood, because if Chad Green is anything at all like Chad Green was before he was hurt, there's your eighth inning guy. There's your eighth inning guy. And the reason I'm mentioning that pencil case, the reason I'm mentioning that is because <laughs> I think you need the G, <laughs> <laughs> Mister Pencil Case. The reason I mentioned, I just I've got all these horrible images, but anyhow, um, the reason I'm mentioning that is I think you've got to know where you are with those two guys before you. Yeah. address anything via trade. Um, I think
1: they need but, to get but a hitter. I, I, That's me. And I, I they am, need a hitter.
0: I am going to say this, too. It is obvious. I think we can all agree that if you are the Blue Jays and you are going for a playoff spot or getting ready for the playoffs, based on the evidence, you want Kevin Gossman getting as many extra days as you can possibly give him down the stretch. So you have to figure out how to do that. And I'm sorry for me, Mitch White isn't the guy. And Oof. and if Trevor Richards is – if this is Trevor Richards, I need that arm in the bullpen. So I know it's a long-winded answer, but I think that's where we
1: are. Yeah, I think rotation. you nailed know, it. I mean, I don't have much more to add. I, I, this is what I do think. I think they need to get a new another bat. Yeah, so, I'm with you. So, I just don't, so,
0: know how, some, I don't know how easy – but I, Ross answered gonna, the it's question. Not gonna be, no, I mean, it's Ross not going to be but, easy. I, what I took away Why from that is – what I took away from what Ross said when we talked them is, they're, pre- they're I don't think they're going to make a move that's going to impact. Uh, they got first some face base, second base, shortstop. What he's saying, but I do. You know, I think they. It wouldn't surprise me if there's something else added to the outfield or a DH, a different bat that that might change the complexion of things for that team. It's entirely possible. You got some. You pulled some guys out that you like.
1: Brian McMahon is a good one out of the uh, from the Rockies. That that's look. I I don't know how much you read into the stats when your home games are in Colorado, but I'm willing to cha- would, I'm I mean, willing he, to take he, that he, chance. He can play third. He's left-handed. He hits left-handed.
0: Yeah. I mean, he again, you hit don't know fifth. what you don't know what other teams are asking in. But how many how many RBIs he got? Forty-one. Uh, yeah, forty-one. I mean, that's
1: enough to hit him fifth. Yeah. Like that's what they're looking for, right? They're looking for guys that are harder to pitch to, are going to be competitive with a dude standing on second. Yep. That's what they're looking for. Not going to be easy to get, though. Brian in Cam Loops, BC,
2: or the Loops,
1: nice as they refer to
0: it.
2: Do you guys think that the Blue Jays have, you know, an, uh, enough assets to acquire uh, a four-hitter, uh, you know, middle-of-the-order hitter? Million-dollar question. And a back-of-the-rotation starter who could maybe, you know, slot into the, a bullpen, um, depending on how Hunter and Ryu looks when he comes back? Um, if so, you know, who would... Uh, that four hitter B that you guys would target or maybe a couple names that you would target?
1: Yeah. That's a great it, question. Let it, me ask you a question, Jeff. Let's be realistic here. Uh, Luis Roberts, Jr. Plays for the White Sox can play center.
0: Well, he stands can, in can, center field.
1: Can, no, he's a good center fielder.
0: We, well, he, he'll, he he's very athletic. He's he can got, run over there and he,
1: catch he's it. He's got a little bit of
0: Teoscar in him.
1: God. forget the number of oh, outs. Okay, throw to the, he, he does. Well, okay. Uh, he can hit homers.
0: Mm. What's he with runners? He's and got twenty two homers.
1: He's hitting a little over two hundred. Oh, well, this that, team that, be. That's the thing. You you've always been the guy that said if you're going to get somebody, get him for this year and years after. That's a guy. I'd Okay, look for. He's, but he's twenty five. That's yeah. going to cost you. Yeah, Goldsmith out of out of for the Cardinals. I don't think they're punting. Is it in their way to do that? I mean, he's thirty five. I don't mean, know. I don't even know what he's bringing. I don't think you. I mean, he if, could DH. He's a run producer. Like I don't know I if
0: he's got no, I, I'm,
1: I'm willing to bet if
0: he's got a no trade clause or something like that, Toronto's on it. Uh, wasn't Goldschmidt. Uh, Maybe.
1: Yeah. I haven't looked that up. I'm just throwing out names here. Uh, Taos Hernandez. I think that ship sailed. You ain't going to see that again. Uh, Salvador Perez, look, he's an older guy who can catch, who can get big hits. I mean, he's a big target behind the plate. Lane Thomas, that's another one. He's 27 years old. I don't know what he's going to cost you. He can drive in some runs. I threw a name out earlier and well, there's, and there's it, some names I I threw a I name know. out in in,
0: in spring training and and it was just and I said this is the type of guy. Realistically, yeah, in a perfect world, I would love to see this team get somebody who's going to be around um, next year because they need a bat for next year. They're going to lose Chapman. They Kiermaier uh, Whitmerfield, they're going to lose two or three of those guys uh-huh. and you want to refresh anyhow. So you're going to need, going to need another back. Yeah. I think you'll look at an Adam Duval type of guy, not Adam Duval necessarily. But what I'm saying is a guy who is better than what you got, who gives you something you don't have. I think those are most likely the most likely scenario. Cause they're probably not going to cost you a lot. And and that's the thing really, when you look at this organization, Ricky Tiedemann is just, is starting to pitch again. Mm. Um, you know, Aurelvis Martinez. Now, yeah, spring well, training. I would have said, yeah, if you can get something for Relvis Martinez, look at it. He, we're starting to see some things from him. I would be a little less hesitant, and I'm going to well, be. Well, your
1: Ned, when I've been down
0: there, and, and I'm going to give you the God's honest truth. Once you get down below single or double A, you know, I'm. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there are guys other organizations covet, but. I And I don't go by the top 100 prospects list because, as I said, yeah. your value as a prospect is only what the other team's willing to trade to get you. So I've, I'm sure there are folks down there. But my sense is at the trade deadline, you're more likely to add one of those disposable bats, like an Adam Duval or, or, or or somebody like that. Mm. I'd love to see them add an impactful bat. I think it's interesting this year that there are a lot of teams that – are underachieving that have those guys. Steve Cohen, yeah. the manager of the or the owner of the Mets just said today, hey, if we're out of it at the trade deadline, we could be selling. Ooh.
1: So I don't know really what they have that, that you'd want to
0: get. Yeah, from. I don't know. But you depends on how Unless that dude plan first is available. But, but the thing is, you 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 know they've got enough money that with you know, they can get rid of a guy like that and go after Shohei Otani. Sure. So I've got the Mets, I got the Pirates, I got the Cardinals as teams that are underachieving. You want
1: the Jays to be doing it, just to be doing it?
0: No, those are the teams. Those are the teams I want. I, I would be focusing on, and and yeah, the obviously the
1: the Chicago White Sox as well because they've just been they're banking on what they got to be better. You could hear it in Ross's. Well, box. yeah,
0: they. I and and I think that's because it's hard to add that transformative hitter at Absolute, the trade deadline. Absolutely. It's easy to add, or easier to add the arm at the back of the bullpen, or. Easier to add a Mitch, uh, uh, Mitch White, uh, a, a Whit Merrifield there you go. the way they did It's easy to add those types of guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but, man, it's harder to add that dude who's going to change your lineup uh, for next year. I think they're going
1: to do something. I'm just not sure everybody's going to be happy about it. That's what I think. Yeah, I think they'll try to get better. but Yeah, I think. I, but I don't know.
0: You know, the thing I think you read is the the whole – they don't care whether or not Matt Chapman leaves at the end of the year. They want Matt Chapman for this year.
1: Right? Like, Sounds like it. And, and they, they probably know what they can't get for him. Ex- I don't know. I'm not I sure the market's real big for Matt Chapman. Exactly. Re- I'm, really. I must be yeah. honest.
0: Yeah. Blair in Nova Scotia.
2: This is Blair for Blair. You're <laughs> thinking about Joey Votto? I hope you're done thinking. Oh, and no. for, Who's for Jeff, right? I love your analysis on hitting, but you do a great job. And oh, uh, I'm I, I, I Kevin, think yeah. we got a couple too many two-hole hitters. I'd like to see our lineup with Bla- uh, with Bow and three and and in four. Anyhow, mm. leave it to is. you. Have a great one and enjoy your show. Thank you,
0: Blair. I appreciate it. Yeah, but I think he's he wants to see that consistently. Um. I mean, I'm just going to keep pounding this. I'd like to see Bo in the cleanup spot eventually. You can keep saying it. I can keep saying it. it ain't going to happen.
1: I mean, uh, it, well, it I mean, ain't, ain't
0: uh, here's the thing. Let's see if you. Uh, let's Maybe see the reasons why the Bo line. don't
1: want to hit there. Maybe that's it. Could be.
0: Could be. Again, it's not Bo's fault.
1: I'm and, and everybody and I, else around him. Stays. Again, I,
0: I'm with yeah, and based on what Bo, No, based on what Bo's doing right now. Frankly, if Bo wants to hit second, Bo can hit second. Boom. I'm not.
1: Uh, he has, sir. Where do you want to hit? He's gotten to to that that point. point. Every once in a while, that's the way it is. Sir, where would you like to hit today? Second or third? You know what? Here's a pin. It's his team. Write your name in it. It's his team. Right now it is. Right now it is. 100%. It's Bo's team. Never thought I'd say that. Do you think you'd ever say that? If you say yes, you're lying. You, you I always thought lying. we'd
0: be saying it's, and and you know, understanding that with the way yeah, he they're, played, they're, with they're, the way this he is, was playing, this, is is fans, a, this is a very subjective thing. Yeah, no, oh, I, you're I lying. I no, I I didn't. I I thought I'd be saying it's Vladdy's team.
1: Yeah, you and everybody
0: else, but uh, it's not. Right now, if you said to me, you can sign one of those two guys to a six-year contract.
1: I wanted this. Who would you... Uh, let's just say they, right what now. What if they signed right it in reverse? What if they'd signed Vladdy and that turned Vladdy's switch on to offensively be Vladdy? Now I don't have yeah. to worry about getting paid anymore. What wonder if it was in reverse.
0: I don't know. I don't think we'll ever know. My point is this, though. Security's a big deal. If you offered me, if you said to me right now, you can sign one of those two guys to six year contract. Which one would it be?
1: <laughs> that's funny. You're saying this now. Uh, no, because he's like second and hitting in, in baseball last year when we were talking about that, his defense, that's was my
0: Kevin, not great. No, but that's my point. And he should be
1: the second baseman.
0: That's my point. in answer to your question, it changed and things, were, things are going to change with these two guys. I mean, I do know this. If Vladdy goes on a roll, It'll change again, <laughs> Of course it will, of course it will
1: <laughs> I don't know
0: it's, it's okay to have both You could say both. I mean the, the, you know it's uh I mean it's hard to separate those two guys It, is. it really is hard yeah, it to is. separate them yeah yeah um, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, and I hate, I hate to say this because I, I have mentioned to mention this to other people, and I kind of get the you know they, they want to pull the the, the stake out and drive it through my heart when I say I, it, but
1: I've been there. where about?
0: We're about a year away if Vladdy isn't signed to a long-term well, contract from it? needing to have a discussion about at what point do you not punt, but at what point do you look at moving him? If he's not coming back and he is a the generational player you think he is, at what point, at what point do you start having well, that conversation? Well,
1: they traded Soto. So, but I think, the, I think they would be... A different group of people running this team yeah. when that happens. Vernon, Nova Scotia.
2: I was just going with what manager and stuff were saying about their line up to hit and then stuff and, and how funky last night's pitching was. Go with that, right? Like We'll see tonight because tonight it's not going to be funky. They're facing mm-hmm. the guy who in the World Series, he's probably going to be the first pitcher you see. So Proof's in the pudding and Man, it could look good tonight, so I'm kind of hoping, but we'll see. And yeah. as far as Manoa, I think a big part of this physical, whatever, caused that. Like, we've all seen, old enough to have seen fighters and stuff, they show up sometime out of condition that don't go well. So, great at that, look for him in a month. It'd be kind of a tiger, and uh, good things could happen there. The kid is young, and he, he's got an edge. You guys have a good day.
0: I love Vernon's voice, man. That's like a great
1: Verwin's call voice. too. Very optimistic. I like that. Well, it, it, it,
2: it, it,
0: I mean, it is true. Sometimes guys do show up, and uh, we've made this point about Alec too. You know, Alec's got a Alec's a young dude. He's a big young dude who had a lot of fame come to him real quickly. Absolutely. And good for him because he's he because he deserves all the good things that happened to him Absolutely. because that, that's the type of dude he is. Absolutely. But I do think. Part of being a professional athlete sometimes is... Sometimes
1: you got to reset.
0: Sometimes you got to reset. Sometimes you got to... Sometimes stuff that people tell you is going to work in the offseason isn't going to work. Nope. You know, I got... and I always Sometimes you got to learn the hard way. Different positions, but I always tell the story about Jose Vidro. It turned in to be a real good player. Felipe Alou looked at him one day and said, you got to go down to winter ball, play every day, get yourself in shape, come back in spring training. If you do that, I'll let you win a job. I'm not giving you a job, but if you do that, you'll have a chance to win the starting second baseman's job. Vidor went to the all-star game, made a crap ton of money.
1: I me ask you a question. That's because
0: a, that's a he, learned, he learned we, what he had to do in the offseason to make himself better. If we better.
1: don't see Alec Manoa this year coming into spring training, he has to earn a job? Huh <laughs> oh, boy, that is. Uh, no, I think huh? he has a job what coming mean, into
0: though? spring. No, I think he has a job coming into spring training, but it, he ain't going to be the opening day starter. But I'm going to – if he does that – For me, it, he's got to earn it. Yeah. If he shows up and mm-hmm. has done all the things Vanager. I wanted to do. Vinegar, Cliff and Lloyd Minster. Cliff. Last I'm just call. I'm wondering
2: what the Jays plan on doing with uh, Espinol, if they're going to sh- consider trading him. He's uh, a good player. Last year he was uh, oh, an all-star, and this year he had a slow – or I should say maybe a hard luck. First month of the season, but since he May, challenged. he's been playing real good. But they just don't seem to want to get him in the lineup. So I was just wondering if uh, mm-hmm. you know they would trade him off and let him go play uh, on another team where he gets to play every day.
0: Yeah, here's the the one thing Santiago Espinal has going for him right now is he's the only guy in the team other than Bo Bichette you'd stick at shortstop in the ninth inning there of the you game. Go. That's the there that, you is, go.
1: that is that uh,
0: is. We talked about this.
1: I don't. Excuse me. I don't think he's an everyday player either.
0: No, and I don't know if he's necessarily would get you a great deal in a trade. I kind of think he's he's got he's got more value to this team, I think, than any other team. And I keep getting back. I don't
1: think he's chapped anymore either. Well, I think the beginning of the season he was chapped. Yeah, well, let's the, say it like it is. He was, but I think he's an all star. He should have be been playing more. But also, it was taking. And he's smart enough now. Time. He can look now at it things it's like, hmm, I'd rather be up here doing this than down
0: there doing what I'd be doing well, down there. Well, the, the reason I and the reason I don't have the job every day is because Whit Merrifield to it exactly, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I, I think Espinall's value is again. He is. He, He's the only guy you want out there, other than Bo at shortstop right now. I don't even know. Do they have anybody else who could play shortstop in that team? I, Ernie Clement, I yeah. guess could play. Yeah, could play shortstop. But,
1: <laughs> Bull, um, I don't like Trevor Richards, huh? Being the opener, I don't like that. Nah. But where ne- they're at, needs must, man.
0: We're just watching them warm up on uh, on the screen here. I, I I am with you. I just like that arm out of the bullpen so much. But with the
1: way Swanson's been looking and. Nate Pearson, occasionally you're going to get that good one, and sometimes you're going to get that other one. This one here, he's been consistent almost all year.
0: Yeah, we haven't. I I have to like, admit, we've not made a we've not made a big enough deal of what Trevor Richards has done.
1: I had two pitches, it's
0: crazy. He's Eliminated the breaking ball, and and it's and it's and it's not like he throws a hundred. And his and his one pitch is one of the most unhittable pitches you can't, in baseball. But he can
1: tell you it's coming. Yeah, still can't hit it. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, and it, it's funny because, you know, I think back to spring training, man, and, and people were saying, man, you know, if Nate Pearson, if they can make the team, they can you know, they get rid of Trevor Richards, and if this guy makes a the team, they can get rid of Trevor Richards. Everybody wanted, everybody kind of, I don't know if they wanted to get rid of Trevor Richards. I think we just didn't, well, we didn't expect to see what we're seeing now.
1: I'm sort of tired of seeing
0: him. I think that was what it was. Now, though, he comes into the game, I'm yes. like, about well, time. Uh, exactly. <laughs> I'm starting to look at the lineup card. Where's that pocket? Yeah, yeah. Where's that? Where's well, that, anybody, that pocket? I mean, where's that, right that pocket in, for Trevor Richards? Out. Made of the order, up or run. Yeah, it's kinda, and run. That's kind of, and you know what? It's kind of fun. To, it's it. It never gets old seeing do- dudes do that. It never gets old seeing guys who just kind of eh, shrug your shoulders at. Have a real good give year. Give the
1: organization credit, too. They they saw something that he had, yep. the eliminator. That's what that thing is, that change up. If you eliminate that breaking ball and throw that thing a lot and occasionally throw an elevated heater and uh, establish something in occasionally with some velocity, that you're going to get after some people. So give the organization yeah, credit. I'll, I'll tell you, Trevor Richards is a guy that profits
0: from the emphasis in analytics. Oh,
1: boy. Yeah. Right,
0: because you got that pitch, and we can do something with that pitch. Um, Good form, him yeah. credit. You know, it's a reason. It's a reason organizations keep dudes like him and Trent Thornton around because no, but but I you know, know what I mean. Spin, he's a spend, and Thomas spin Hash because there's there's stuff Thomas that they H. stuff that they see in him anyhow. Uh, that's it for us. That was a fun show today. Yeah, yeah. Um, I dominated. I would have worn the jacket. You would have worn the jacket. You would have dominated. We're gonna get one of those samurai things that uh, Shohei Otani that cost wears. That costs a lot of money, buddy. You better get off that wallet. We should get a hat and just put it on at the end of the show. Give what it to kind the hat. It's gotta be cool. No, I think we can. Could... This face, you can't hide it. unless we'll it's it. cool. Get a Mountie hat or something like that. That's it for us. We'll be doing Blue Jays talk tonight after the Jays five three win. We'll be back tomorrow from five to seven Eastern. On Sportsnet 590, The Fan Sportsnet 360. If you're listening to us via podcast, good for you. Leave us a nice rating and a nice review and have yourself a great night.